Herzlich willkommen to the Syncopated Sisters. This podcast will celebrate and highlight the women who were active in the creation and development of blues and jazz. You will hear about female musicians, composers, band leaders and more. There will also be interviews with female artists from the jazz and swing scenes of today. I'm Nina Thaler from Berlin, host and creator of the series. Enjoy listening. Here we come with another episode of the Syncopated Sisters podcast. And right away, I would like to introduce my guest of today. Welcome, Anar Margolina. I'm very happy to have you here today, because we hardly know each other, and this actually is the first time we meet knowingly, and it is a wonderful opportunity to get to know each other. Anna Margolina is a jazz singer from Berlin. She mainly sings songs from the 1930s and 40s. She has her own band and plays with other national and international bands. And she also does so quite a lot for dancing audiences too. Check out her website, margolinamusic.com. She created a regular program, which is called Sing Me a Swing Song and Let Me Dance, which started in 2020 in Berlin. And yes, some of you may have realized This title is a song title, which you might very likely know from an interpretation of a singer and Chick Webb and his orchestra. And that already gives you a hint to the female artist of this episode. Yes, we will talk about the marvelous Ella Fitzgerald. Lyricist Ira Gershwin once said, I never knew how good our songs were, until I heard Ella Fitzgerald sing them. Ella Fitzgerald is, of course, one of the female artists of jazz music that is very well known. Justifiably so. She was a musical legend. Ella Fitzgerald was an outstanding African-American vocalist with a very rich tone. And her style of singing, her phrasing, her timbre, Her sure sense of swing and her inventive sketching are very well known. In her generation of singers, popular singing changed to that of previous generations. The singing got lighter and more confidential. The engagement of big bands changed the style and also technical innovations had an influence. Amplification suited that style very much and was also necessary. Ella Fitzgerald is well known for singing with big bands during the swing era, but also for her sketch singing. Songs as How High the Moon or Lady Be Good, for example, are classic. She got famous early in her life, but she never stopped working on her main instrument, the voice. She wasn't limited to singing swing. She sang the blues, gospel, bossa nova, bebop and others. She is called the Queen of Jazz and also the First Lady of Song. She was a band leader, wrote lyrics, appeared in film and television. She worked with a lot of the jazz greats, performed at famous venues all over the world, won numerous awards, sold over 40 million albums and had a worldwide recognition. She is also known by non-jazz lover audiences. But nonetheless... We'll seize the opportunity to have a closer look at her, her music, and certain periods of her life. And to do so, I welcome Anna one more time. Anna, when I ask artists to do an interview with me for this podcast, they can always choose the artist they want to talk about. So I would like to ask you, why did you choose Ella Fitzgerald? And what is your attachment to her? <laughs> so I'm really happy to be here and um, to talk about her because she's uh, she introduced me to jazz 
and um, she's the most, still the most important reference to music for me. And also, yeah, she works like um, antidepressant um, always. Mm. Like I push the button, her voice comes out of any device and then I'm in a, you know, I'm in a happy state and that, that's, that's magic and um, she can do that for me and for million other people too. So really it was no, a no-brainer to mm. choose her. Yeah. And um, so I don't know if you, would you like to add something to that or should we move on? Oh, I think, I think it's, yeah. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and um, so as we said before that uh, Ella Fitzgerald's life is kind of known. It is very known that she started her career at the Savoy Ballroom in, in Harlem and that she got involved with a chick web orchestra and that she took it over after his death and we do know a lot about her solo career and how she got involved in uh, the bebop era and um, all of her the collaborations she did with the famous artists that we know Louis Armstrong or Duke Ellington nameless of the other famous artists are very well known And um, when we shortly got in touch before this interview, you said that you would like to talk about the earlier years of her career. And um, what are you referring to when you say the earlier career? And why do you want to talk about the earlier years? Are you referring to her difficult teenage years, for example? We know that her mother died when she was a teenager and that she worked as a lookout for sex workers and that she was sent to an orphanage and that she was sexually abused, and um, that she had to stand on her own feet from an early age on. Are you referring to that time, or why do you want to highlight that, that period of her life? Yeah, that's, that's a good question, because I was more interested in the early years, because I think they're not so popular, and um, of course... Yeah, I had to do a lot of research because there is not too much information about that. She no, never wrote an autobiography and she was not really happy to give interviews. She was pretty shy um, and wanted to sing rather than to speak. But my focus is always music and sound oriented. Mm -hmm. And I fell, I just fell in love with that sound of the 30s and recent, most recently also the 40s. Um, so that, that motivated me to talk about that time and, uh, the knowledge that I now have about her biography, it of course helps me to understand. Um, but yeah, it's, it's mostly the sound, but I think we share that love mm -hmm. for the sound of yes. that area, mm -hmm. era. Yeah. And is there something about that time and the sound that you already want to highlight? It's, um, I think it's fascinating if you see how difficult that time was and circumstances, I mean, even living, being her and living where she lived and traveling and, um, you know, between the, the times between the wars, like it was a super complicated and and really not a happy happy environment she lived in and the music is so extremely um bright and it celebrates life and i find it really um fascinating how much it uh how shockingly yeah happy the music was and i i can't still i can't figure out how it was possible as an artist to do that um, to do the opposite of what people might have felt, really. Mm. Um, although when I say it out loud, I think it's understandable again because art um, can show you something you won't see in, in uh, your day-to-day -day life. So, And it's kind of, I think I do the same thing in my life because when I um, play swing music, it brings me immediately into this mood of ce yeah, celebration, Enjoy and really, there is a childish aspect to that—a very playful, innocent, naive um, beauty. So, 
Mm. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure this out because it doesn't make no. very much sense. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like like uh, what you were referring to, a lot of the, the black artists of that day, I mean, not even back then, also today, but especially back then, uh, and also Ella Fitzgerald were confronted with uh, racial discrimination throughout their whole career and life, especially while being on tour. And um, we do know that... Um, that uh, especially Ella Fitzgerald was supported by a couple of people to to str to struggle that fight, and uh, not to struggle, <laughs> to 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 um, to support her in that kind of fight and struggles that she had to do. Uh, but do you know? I mean, some of the famous people that supported her, of course, <laughs> the most famous one probably was uh, Marilyn Monroe. Mm. That's at least something we know, and we know that her manager. The Norman Granz that we know that he was um, a supporter also uh, for the civil rights movement and that he tried to um, create an equal treatment for all of the musicians that he that he was engaged with, um, regardless if they were black or white. But um, I was wondering if Ella Fitzgerald talked about that discrimination and racism that she was facing uh, or politics in general in public? Do we know something about that or do you know something about that? Yeah, I've, I've tried to do some research on that because you mentioned earlier that I have this program that uh, circulates around her biography actually. Um, so um, I also was thinking about how to implement those um, super important implements of jazz music is the the racial discourse it you can't you can't divide them actually and i was always thinking about how do i how do i implement that in my show that is about entertainment and and joy and you know taking some you know people come on a Saturday evening to, to enjoy themselves. But then I was I also wanted to tell part of that story too. Uh, so I I did. And um, her it was hard to find something where she spoke about it, but I found an interview from, I think, the, the 60s. I found it on YouTube where she very confidently said that she was um, treated unfair by an airline or some someone so there was a scandal and she said yeah um it's it's not okay and i mean she said it in a also in a very kind of sweet way not aggressive at all but she spoke about it um that she was treated unfairly but as far as i understood reading about her and reading a lot about norman grants actually there is a He, like a giant book about his life. Mm -hmm. I read it to study her, actually, because I, I didn't have much uh, information about her. They had a lifelong um, relationship yeah. together, right? Yeah. yeah, he was her manager, from not from the start, but she, he... Um, yeah, that, that's an amazing uh, extra story, but he, he discovered her pretty early, and then he did the song books, um, the famous song books uh, with her. So they worked um, until he got very old, I think, and she too, for I don't know for how many years. And mm. um, as far as I found out from his book, he talked more about this whole thing than her. It was really hard to get her to talk about those things or anything personal. Mm. Um, I might, yeah, and I, I, I can understand why. But uh, without the talking, she did uh, a lot to overcome this injustice with him together he was maybe the one who talked and took actions and really um yelled at the promoters and the in he like he did a lot of things for the industry and he said with his um jazz at the philharmonics series uh he said okay new rules it's sold out you have the best artist in the entire world if you don't let people sit where They want to sit, like let everyone in who can afford a ticket. We're not gonna play, and he he meant it. So he he was like the one who went on stage and said mm. those things. Or when, um, you know, even with this fame, 
and sold out concerts in the Philharmonic. Uh, they weren't allowed to eat where other people ate. It's, it's crazy if you read it from today's perspective how, uh, how long it, it took to overcome this. Mm -hmm. So he was the one who said, uh, I, I mean, either you serve them food like everyone else or we go. And um, she, she was not the one, I think, to, to say those things. Mm. But she, I imagine that it was incredibly hard to tour. And yeah. with those insults, to still go on stage, I think it was incredibly hard. Because you could say, I'm sorry, I'm hurt, I'm treated horribly, and I won't yeah. sing. But she did, like, you know. Mm. So there was not much. I couldn't find many quotes from her but yeah. uh i know um, it's always uh if you if you read about her i think uh most of the time you can read the quote that she preferred to sing and not to talk yeah mm. but uh you can do a lot a lot when of talking sing. while singing yeah yeah yes. <laughs> mm. um yeah so it was a very the most interesting project for me was was that one Uh, even though on the surface you you can see me just singing songs mostly, and I also don't talk too much, but I I thought if I have two or three sentences between the songs, then I will choose what to talk about. So I'd rather say something that makes people be aware of those complications mm -hmm. back then, and not just uh, mm -hmm. not just to see the surface of the happy music that is. But I think you know, that's a very very good thing to do. Um, while being on stage to once in a while put the music into a context because uh, nowadays I think people can easily forget like when they when they dance and listen and exact, exactly what you said that the, the joyfulness right away swaps over into your mm. whole body you want to dance you, you, you want to bounce you feel happy if you see Lindy Hop people dance or swing people dance you, you get a Uh, it's very attractive because people are smiling all the time and so I think um, also that we as musicians have a bit of a responsibility to to always uh, remind people of where this music came from yeah. and in what kind of circumstances of discrimination and racism it was created and, and the people, mostly black people who created this kind of music, what kind of life they suffered or lived and um, that... I think that's important to do. And yep. sometimes I think it's hard to do for dancing crowds. I mean, it's even sometimes people don't even hear when you talk. Yeah. <laughs> Because they're occupied or the microphones are, are not leveled for the talking level, but for the singing level. I What I see sometimes when I, when I want to talk a little bit more is that people give me signs that they cannot hear me mm. <laughs> or... Or like they're looking for other dance partners and stuff like this. So it's more easy, I think, if it's a sitting and listening audience than the dancing audience. But um, I still try to do it once in a while. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely important. right. Mm. Um, and, you know, the, it's very interesting what you just said. Because on my, on my way here, I was thinking about that program. I mean, for me, it's already a few years old. But it might be new for people who, who just come for the first time or hear this podcast. And uh, it started, or it, it still is, it was, a, uh, was an idea of 50-50. First, first a mini concert where people had to listen. <laughs> And then I was trying to, to tell her life story very quick, but, you know, come to the essence of it with five or six songs and then uh, talk about her her childhood for a second and then in the end I was talking about Norman Granz who said okay please audience needs to be uh, not restricted to race because otherwise uh, it's we won't play and then we had a crash course for be uh, beginners dancers beginning dancers uh, in a collaboration with a dance school and then we played two very long sets without talking just for dancing and this is how it started and this is What I'm still trying to do, but um, it's not very easy because there were many complaints actually that, you know, the impatience in the beginning to, to sit through five or six songs and just to listen. Um, and 
Unfortunately, this impatience was really loud and vocal because people, you know, said it and you're allowed to say whatever you think. It's art. It's not like I'm not forcing anything on my audience. But the, there was also a big part of the audience who were not used to dancing and they were happy about that because they could listen to a concert and then they could get up and try and dance to that music. So they were actually happy, but not that They didn't uh, say it out loud probably so much. So I'm sometimes struggling to keep this concept alive because the, you know, the acceptance is also not, uh, yeah, it's 50-50 and I see that um, it's very often run over by, ah, come on, it's like, why do you need to do that? You can keep it simple and just divide it. But back then, I think, uh, you know, when you think about those early shows on, on uh, Broadway, it was also a mixture of so many things and the concert thing came later. Mm -hmm. um, so I still think this is a good idea. I'm just adjusting it to, yeah, I want people to be happy after an evening like that. So I kept the concert part even shorter. It's just uh, less songs, you know, but I still want to say that this music came from those circumstances and uh, it's important to know. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm still fighting, uh, yeah, trying to mm, keep it going like that because otherwise then it's just just music without mm, content or a context or a sitting concert that is also not very satisfying for me because when I sing this music, I, I feel like dancing. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, you can't sit still. It's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, but it sounds like a good mixture that you found. And yeah, I would like to come sometimes. I've never seen <laughs> seen a show. I but like I'm, I'm very curious. To invite you on stage also, I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Yes. So uh, we have something uh, to look forward to. <laughs> And um, now that we've talked a little bit about the the circumstances. I would like to go back um, to Ella Fitzgerald's voice because um, I do think that a lot of people recognize her voice when they hear it and um, because she is so well known and we have a lot of recordings that she did and very often her voice is, you said it before earlier mm -hmm. also, but it's described rather as a childlike or girl-like And um, the interpretations of lyrics, people always uh, say that they come along very naive or innocent. That's, you drop these, mm -hmm. these uh, words too also. Mm -hmm. um, and they especially refer to that, that kind of description for the earlier time of her period, of her, of her career. And um, I was wondering how would you describe her voice and what do you love about it? Mm. Um, I mean, she was 16 when her first hit dropped, so it's very natural that he she sounded like a teenager. And I really love that, I don't know, maybe, maybe it is a bit childish, but I, I could also say it's playful. That is very, very good for jazz, actually. There is a, a tone in her voice that is not not too serious, and I assume she could have been a person who didn't, she wasn't taking herself too seriously, probably, that could be that and that's also very charming but I think that yeah it's very soft uh, it's very warm and it um, it is very recognizable but also not because I think it, she doesn't sound like too much ego to me she blends in with the band and it you know it was mm -hmm. her feature then and she made it popular so I think it's really nice. Um, I like singers who are not rep representing the cliche of the e e huge ego, um, super loud in front, separated from the band. I don't like it. And in the big band era, era um, singers were very separated from the band. They weren't allowed to do much. They were just yeah. come out, be beautiful, sing, and then go. Uh, you know, mm. so... I like her uh, not too not too pushy, not too screamy way. Mm. I also read uh, that at the beginning, after she won those 
the, the contest at the Apollo mm -hmm. Theater and somebody wanted to introduce her to Chick Webb um, or, or mm -hmm. he, he himself wanted to convince the manager to, mm -hmm. to, to book her also. Um, if, I, if I remember right, I think he, he said to the manager, uh, don't look at her, just listen to her voice <laughs> because she's a yeah. big girl. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, and you can read this a lot of times that uh, the first singers for the big bands they were um, mainly chosen because of the looks and the mm. musical skills were rather secondary. But yeah. I think it changed during Shit. the time. But that's uh, in in the jazz literature that what you can read. I think. Yeah, she changed a lot of things without talking. By the way, like this is mm -hmm. what we said: just by doing things and being brave, and. Uh, I, I also thought that, for example, um, from today's singers, I recognize that trade, like this little what we say childish, but I don't mean it in any discriminating way. I would I would refer to my own voice. Uh, like also, I think I, I go tend to go in that direction. So it's said with a lot of love and mm -hmm. respect. But um, mm -hmm. um, there is a you know this popular jazz singer Cecile McLaurin Savant. And she also plays a lot with that element mm. of that childish. And um, also there is another singer that I really love. Uh, she's not a jazz jazz singer. It's more neo soul, I would say. There is a band um, that also went viral, Tank and the Bangers. And uh, there is, you know... Oh, I love that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, great. Yes. <laughs> and she also plays with that childish element, right? Mm -hmm. I think Ella didn't do it that to that degree, but I think it, it has something very feminine too. Mm. lovable and uh, brave yeah that's true mm. and also what I like about Ella Fitzgerald very much is I said it in the introduction also but is that she kept on exploring her voice during her career and um, when she started with the scat singing a lot of people always say that she she sounds like a horn player and I I really Uh, I love to listen to the recordings that she did back then um, because uh, I can really, it's, it's the same. I feel the same, that I can follow like a, some, some reed player or something when I hear her sing. And yep. um, that also uh, shows, as you said, that she, she um, was in very good contact with the band and the other musicians and not just separated as a singer, which happens a lot of times, that people yeah. separate singers from the band. Also what happened to me once in a while is that when we have concerts and we do a sound check, uh, that the technicians say, we first do the band and then the singer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm the band too. <laughs> You're most uh, likely the leader of the band. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so or, or the face or the voice or the, you yeah, know. but it's, you're still also yeah. the band. I don't like, I don't like it if I get excluded. Yeah, I I don't understand why. And it, the mo I mean, the important thing is that we don't feel like that with our band, that our band won't do that and that we are underst uh, understand that we're the same. Yeah. And I, I think that the horn players learned from her as much as she learned from them. True. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, why should we make a difference? Mm. And uh, yeah, the singers... I I've, I get that too, and I laugh because it, it people don't think probably too much when they say it, but then your reaction might make them think for a second. Or when someone says, "What in, uh, what instrument do you play?" and I say I sing, and then they could instantly say, "Oh, you just sing," and then you think, <laughs> just <laughs> sing. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. It's never mean. It's just because it looks. You probably know it. It looks so natural because you don't need to push buttons on the outside, and it seems like singing in the shower and singing on stage is the same thing. And I say, of course, there is a natural element in that, and you have a lot of freedom. But you, you and I know, and everyone else should know too, that it's uh, the most complicated instrument, also because it is your body, and if it doesn't function or if you don't feel well. Um, then try try crying and talking at the same time. Mm. The, so I think that again, coming back to her and knowing that she didn't have a classic education and she went from the street to those 
I think not very pleasant experiences with those competitions and also being accepted in a very probably male dominant harsh environment of those bands on the roads without money I don't know I, I can't even imagine um, and then to sing yeah it's uh, extraordinary yeah yeah she learned while doing it yeah yeah it's a, it's, life is a good school mm, I bet <laughs> and jazz jazz is a good school yes. of life <laughs> yes we can talk about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I I was wondering how how or many maybe by whom were you introduced to Ella Fitzgerald's voice I think by my parents I so I was born in Minsk And I grew up in Minsk the first eight years or nine years of my life. And I remember that my parents, um, they never said much, but they introduced me to a few artists uh, such as the Beatles. And I remember Michael Jackson. And I also remember that they showed me a concert of Ella Fitzgerald in her very late years, you know, with those giant glasses. <laughs> um, and I and just... And the handkerchief when she... Yes. When she... <laughs> <laughs> when she uh, uh, dried her face from sweat. Yes, 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 yes. That. And her being so skinny, you know, from she was sick and but still singing like an angel. And I remember, I love the fact that my parents didn't comment on that. They didn't say anything. They just set me in front of a TV and just showed me that as if, look, this is important. And so, um, of course. When I was a teenager, jazz was the last thing on my mind. And Ella Fitzgerald, like, I didn't want to know anything about that. Mm -hmm. I needed to learn German and, like, more, more important stuff. But then I came back to it very naturally. I must have heard it somewhere on the radio. And then I didn't even know that it was jazz. I just heard her. And whatever she did, I followed. It could have been a, not, a different style, I guess. And I would, uh, I just followed the voice because it was so... Yeah, I think everyone who likes her would, would say the same thing, but it just uh, was beautiful. So I followed, I think, yeah, she's the reason why I got into jazz. And I think, of course, I'm voice oriented. I love all instruments, but I mm -hmm. think that back then, if I would have heard, for example, I must have heard Miles Davis and he is amazing, but I think it was not that much of a trigger to me. Mm -hmm. It came later, but she was, uh, and it was pop back then. In her time, yeah. she said, when uh, Norman Grant asked her to record the songbooks, and the uh, Cole Porter songbook was the first one, and on the CD, you can really read a few quotes. I don't know if they're true, but there is something personal. And she, she must have said, why am I supposed to sing? How can I sing that? It's pop. I'm a jazz singer. I don't know why. Why would you think people would, would want to listen to those pop songs from me? And then when we read it now, we're just surprised. <laughs> I see your face now because for us, this is the essence of jazz. But back then it was pop. So uh, it just it's, it is blurry in my head when I really started listening to her. But I just really remember that uh, I, I've known her from uh, childhood, my childhood mm. age. And uh, of course you trust your parents and my par parents are artists, so I trusted them even more. And she, if she was one of the few things they showed me, then I assumed it is very <laughs> important. Mm. Yeah, that's <laughs> What nice. about you? May I ask you how, when and how? Mm. My first contact to jazz was with uh, Bessie Smith or blues. The, the, the roots of jazz and um, I remember that I didn't like Bessie Smith's voice mm -hmm. when I was introduced to her as a child child teenager uh, because I I was asking my father to um, when he asked me what I would like to have for my birthday I said I remember I must have been 12 or something that I would like to know what jazz is 
Wow. <laughs> and that uh, uh, he gave me a CD of Bessie Smith and I didn't like it. <laughs> I was disappointed. Do you, do you remember these birthdays when, you're yeah. when you have something in mind that you would like to have and you get something and then you're disappointed? <laughs> Drama. Um, and uh, I remember that her voice was just too harsh to me and mm. I couldn't really connect to, to the, also to the, to the, to the kind of recordings they mm. did back then with whatever they were able to record, the, the technical uh, um, innovations back then. And um, then I really told him I, that I was disappointed and then he gave me a CD of Dinah Washington. And then I got introduced to these kind of jazz singers mm. and um, then ladies of jazz, CDs like that followed and... Um, There are a lot of voices that I like, and I'm like you. I'm very voice oriented. I get hooked to voices. I'm connected to voices, to 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 the tone and sound of voices. This is what I like and mm. do. And um, I don't remember when I got in touch with Ella specifically, but for me, Dinah Washington, the kind of singing are kind of the same, and I got. I got attracted to these, uh, to that kind of music, and of course, for me, the as you also said before, but the rich tone and the the colorful singing, and the very, for me, it's also very inviting. She's mm. when I listen to her, I feel embraced, mm. and so I think this is how I got hooked. Also, in my teenage years, and um, like I said, I don't remember specifically, but I know that. Um, I was listening to her music and I had CDs of her and Louis Armstrong. Mm. Uh, I didn't only have CDs of Ace of Base or Roxette, mm -hmm. but also I had jazz CDs also. And she was um, she was uh, one of the singers that I had CDs of. But of course, she's also more commercial and known by a lot of people, so it's very easy to get in contact with her music. Now, I discover so many other singers also from also from the early 30s or the 30s that I do love very much and um, I know that I wouldn't have been introduced to them back then because mm -hmm. they were not so known not so commercial and yeah it's very easy to get to get uh, in contact with Ella Fitzgerald yeah. so but I think if you do and you have uh, a connection to voice and singing You, you are hooked. I think that's that's it for me. Yeah, or not. That's fine too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yes. For me, there was no question of if not. I'm yeah. so. <laughs> um, but what I don't know. I would wonder what you think because uh, when I listen to the late recordings, they are the most popular. Well, not the late, 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 but like you know when she was already in a certain age, but. Um, I always see, like, I see how much freedom she has technically. And of course, it's interesting for me as a singer because I'm constantly working on developing that freedom so I can express myself. But when you feel like you can express everything, then it loses something. And I felt that, I, like, I would never say a bad word about her or any other artist, but I just feel that I disconnect sometimes when she's too... She's taking so much freedom that I don't recognize her anymore. Then she's just a part of music and she has a she rushes through every octave and can sing anything and then I yeah, then I feel like I lose her a bit because sometimes your limitations force you to focus on aspects and um it's always very scary to see what can happen after you achieve the level of being able to do everything and then yeah you you see that uh, if you push it for, i don't know it's also a mystery to me very early stages and very late stages of artists are a mystery to me that i like to focus on mm. not not as criticism but just as um, why am i not connected emotionally anymore and it happens to me sometimes when i listen to it um especially yeah with with her when she when she is you know everywhere and nowhere at the same time <laughs> mm. um 
I don't know. I don't. I don't have that feeling if I listen to her old, uh, uh, to her uh, later recordings or the ones shortly in her later years. Um, I'm. I'm just very. I keep on being impressed when I listen to her, and that freedom you were talking about for me. That's also. Uh, in that freedom, I see a lot of. Oh, I'm missing that word in English, but. Uh, Weisheit, but um, wisdom, wisdom, <laughs> and um, also mu musical wisdom, not only personal human <laughs> wisdom, mm. but um, I'm just how how I'm just uh, amazed and impressed by what she can play and do. It's like an endless piano keys that she plays. Well, yeah, like, it's there's no limit of a piano. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and. Um, how she could also um, be inventive with lyrics or situations. I mean, some of these um, TV, also TV recorded uh, concerts are very known where she she didn't know the lyrics anymore and she was inventing mm. stuff and stuff like this. But this is actually, this was part of my education also mm -hmm. of singing myself is to see what she makes out of it mm. and how she takes a situation like that and how she can mm, how how she how she takes that freedom i don't i i didn't feel any disconnection in that kind of freedom i was just um still caught <laughs> hooked yeah. and um impressed because i was like wow i don't know sure i could listen to it for hours and try to copy it as a singer to try to achieve something like this but then I know I maybe it makes sense but I would never like to perform exactly what she did mm. but I would like to see behind it mm. how was she able to do something like this and this is what I like to achieve that's mm. why I like to listen to these recordings and I think this question if if what I see if I hear if I lose something or miss let's say, miss something of herself in that kind of period when she's saying, I think that's a question I never asked myself. I just, yeah. I just took it for, yeah, took it and um, listened to it and that's it. <laughs> that's good enough. <laughs> like this is why, why she was doing that. Yeah. yeah. Um, are there... Any favorite songs of her that you that you would like to highlight or say why you like them especially? Do you, I mean, it's hard. She sings so many songs. Yeah. But do you have do you have favorite songs of her or versions of songs? Um, there, there is a song that I often sing as an encore, um, and it's called. Uh, I mean, it's not her song because she was not writing songs. But when she sings them, you could think that it's mm -hmm. hers. She made made them. Yeah. Hers. Um, and uh, it's called I'm Somebody Nobody Loves. It is such a cute and beautiful song. And also the lyrics are, I, I can't even say what I feel. I feel so many things. And it's uh, fun to listen to and fun to sing also because you uh, there is a level of um, humor, like always. Yeah, um, she had a lot of humor. Yeah, uh, th this whole genre has a lot of humor but also a lot of sadness um so it's it's the combination of uh something very essential about the the human existence and loneliness and all those things that we think about very often yeah but also you can't take it fully seriously it is like a like a joke at the same time so i'm somebody nobody loves coming from her it's hilarious and also true because The whole world loved her, but um, I just um, a quote from Oscar Peterson, I think, stuck in my head during my research. And I also read it um, in the Norman Grant's book that he, vis he must have visited her. I, I never trust anything fully, but let's Man. say it's true. Uh, Oscar Peterson must have visited her in her house in Beverly Hills, I think. It must have been... 13 Grammys uh, period of time, very famous. And she must have opened the door. She wasn't expecting him. 
and then he just describes how he saw her sitting in her kitchen and eating Chinese uh, delivered food out of, out of a box and just watching TV or not even that alone in her house. And he, he said, what a lonely existence, how like it broke his heart um, to see her like that. And we don't know if she was, maybe she was happy, but uh, I trust yeah, Oscar Peterson <laughs> that um, it must have been something yeah, very lonely and sad. And I believe that because when you're that famous, um, probably there is no one you can share that with. So this song... I'm getting coming back to the point. <laughs> This song represents exactly the mixture of things I see in her. The ch childish, playful, sweet, but yet very lonely uh, person. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we, um, we have to take whatever literature we find or, or uh, interviews. It's a lot of assumptions of, of the person the personal life of people. I mean, your quote is also done by somebody, by, by another musician, and not it, it's not... Maybe it's something that he saw in her, yeah. but sometimes people appear lonely from the outside for somebody, but maybe they're not. I yeah. don't know, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know, but there was also something that I read uh, coming from her, and that's also always a question, because he said, she, if she said it to the press... To, to in some interview you never know but she must have also said something that if you have no one to come home to then it's also feels a bit empty because I we know that um, she she was married uh, for eight years um, but then she like I think in her later years she she was kind of alone I mean um, to alive also even yeah. if 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 you come back home and there is somebody, tour life is also tough on on a personal life, I think. Yeah, private, especially private if you life. tour mm. 300 days a year <laughs> <Yeah>. or what. Mm. <laughs> Then your band becomes your family and uh, your manager probably mm. is your family. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I see that uh, with many brilliant people. It's not... A, not Not a surprise, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you read the lyrics of the songs, even though they are seem simple, there's always a lot of wisdom and uh, yeah, a lot of pain also mm -hmm. uh, in that. You mentioned that you you read the book by Norman Granz. Granz. Mm -hmm. um, is there any other literature that you would recommend, or what what was the literature that you drew? Your information from Stephanie. that book I can't even recommend it it's great but it it, <laughs> it was really hard to read because it, it felt more like an uh, encyclopedia than a book that you would actually enjoy reading so I'm you know I wouldn't do it for fun <laughs> with really studies and very small font so I felt like res researching more than <laughs> but um, uh, I there are three biographies that are regarded uh, you know That, that are also fun to read. Mm. And um, I, I don't feel there's much information. It repeats itself and most of it you can find in, in her music. But I also discover great text in uh, CD booklets, if anyone still buys CDs. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and they do good research, I think. I even found more interesting things than in books. Because they they they, are, they don't have much space, mm -hmm. they can't say much, so they do. And there is a huge archive about her, and I was really hoping to somehow get information because I was looking for letters and telegraphs. Mm -hmm. I don't believe anything else so much. I, like you can see, I grew up in the Soviet Union. I don't believe <laughs> everything that is written. Yeah. Um, also, but, uh, that background or other backgrounds of mistrust that you can have but also there was so much legend legend building if that's an english word i don't know it is building now. legends um uh, it is a podcast so you make the call we have, a new, a, word. We have a new word legend building <laughs> yeah uh so building legends in in all the jazz 
characters involved. Mm. So that's also sometimes, yeah, I don't know yeah. what informations to trust. Or it's even like, was she born in that year or that year? So yeah, right. even with the dates, people are, you, you find different information. So I think a little bit of distrust <laughs> in that uh, matter is, is very healthy. <laughs> Thank also. you. Thank you. Regardless from where you grew up, at, but yeah. definitely that oh, maybe. But it's not about influences. that in the end, right? Because uh, especially if we do some research, either we enjoy it, then it doesn't, it's not very important if it's true or not, I think. It is art. After all, it's important what we feel in the end and if it makes us being uh, more tolerant to other you know it's about reading stories and understanding other people that they are different from us I think in the in the end of it it's about that and for me I was not uh, you know nobody would uh, do anything to me if the information is wrong because it is a show And it is about music. So if we don't mess up 90% of the notes that we're playing, then I think it's fine if we tell a wrong story and it still makes sense. I'm not very, you know, I try to be accurate, but I don't have to do it like a hundred percent, you know, mm. because you go crazy. You never know. <laughs> I even uh, change lyrics sometimes. Yeah. I... I <laughs> For example, if yeah, there's oh a, if they talk about a gypsy, I don't sing gypsy, yeah. for example. I mean, it's... Ooh, what you do with Embraceable You. Where is that? Oh, beautiful song by Gershwin. And that word, I also stumble up. Uh, mm -hmm. Like a gypsy serenade. No, serenading, serenading the moon. Oh, it's Skylark. Excuse Skylark. me. Skylark, yes, of course. Skylark. But that, I sang that song. What you do? And for example, I sing somebody <laughs> serenading the moon. That's how, really? that's what I, what ah. I sang when I sang it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was thinking about that too, and I thought, what do I do? Because this is the lyrics from that time, but I sing it today, and then in the end, I decide that well, <laughs> I'm Jewish. I'm allowed to <laughs> say gypsy without. <laughs> no, it's it's. Uh, I don't. I don't. I'm not serious about that. But also, I for now, I sing it in the most beautiful way. As, as beautiful as I can, so mm. people know what I mean by that. But you're right, mm. there's some things. Well, but there's still a lot that we have to take care of to sing music that was written almost 100 years ago. Yeah. It's a difficult task sometimes. Mm -hmm. As beautiful as it is and as beautiful as, as the music is, I, I still think sometimes that, ooh, maybe... Or I do decide not to sing a couple of songs or... Mm. I don't know, I, I take my freedom to change little words or the other in crazy about my baby it says the perfect he and she for example yeah i sing the perfect you and me and mm. it still rhymes at the end sweet <laughs> i need to take some classes from you and that because i have a lot of questions it's just it's just the small <laughs> things i don't know and i probably miss out on a lot of things too but um i tried i try in different i try in small parts yeah I also listen, uh, like I listen to my stomach because when it turns, when I read something and it turns, then I understand that there's something, yeah, that uh, you're right. We can change things without destroying the piece of art. Yeah. It's just a small adjustment. And, or, of course, you know, just from the 30s, when you think about gender roles, oh my God, I sometimes I don't know where to start, but I, I decide to, um, show uh, not sarcasm but again a sense of humor that people know how I think about it I don't make fun of it but of course when I um, I just thought about the song that I just mentioned I'm somebody nobody loves there's also you know this story where I'm waiting for the man to save me and he's my only one and my life is basically nothing without him of course many many, many songs are like that um, and I, I forgot right now which part, but there is a part that is really too much of that. And then I change, I think I change uh, Prince Charming and I sing about my double, double bass player who is standing right next to me, something like that. Everyone laughs. It has nothing to do with discrimination, but there are all, always things that make my stomach turn. And then I see if I can find a very 
either I leave yeah. it mm. and I know my my position to that, or uh, I change it in a way that where the show benefits and everyone can have a laugh because. Oh. I think irony helps too sometimes. Yeah. And you can put a lot of irony in singing while singing. You can put irony in your storytelling. So that's sometimes what I do when I have these kind of songs or don't sing them or mm -hmm. or talk about yeah, the that kind of style of music or that that content of the lyrics up front. Yeah. That's also sometimes what I what I do. What I do. Everything is allowed mm. almost. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 As long as it's art we can do those things. But it's tricky, you are right. Mm. Yeah. It's tricky. We just have to stay awake. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And I think, yeah, as you said, listen to the guts, to the stomach helps a lot too. Not um silencing the the stomach feel. Mm. But also, let I think it's good if we don't get too obsessed about it. Because in the end, it is music from the 30s, and it was what it was. And uh, yeah, if we pick everything apart, then we don't know where to stop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I still like to play with those gender roles when it's not abusive, when it's just romantic, then I, I am really up for it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be singing music from the 30s yeah. entirely. Like if I, <laughs> if I would think that it's absolutely absurd... You know, to, to talk about love and romance like that, I would stay away from this entire style. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Mm. <laughs> um, now, I would like to go back to your your show. I mean, we've talked about it a little bit before that. Uh, your Sing Me a Swing Song and Let Me Dance. Um, but maybe you can tell us how it came to life. What was the idea behind it or... Um, or yes, maybe start yeah. there. <laughs> um, I am. I was pretty new to jazz, and I like that I came in as an outsider because I've done other things and I've uh, discovered different music styles, like most of us probably. And I, I kept this um, idea of uh, I want to show people who are maybe new to jazz what this can be and that there is uh, there is an image of jazz that is i don't know super serious hyper complicated stuff um but there's also uh, another part of jazz that i i enjoyed back then so i decided to um bring yeah bring two audiences together the 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 very much alive berlin berlin dance scene that was booming back then when like I thought about it in 2019 I started to write the script for that and 2020 we we had the premiere one month before everything locked down but we still made it I'm mm -hmm. really happy um so I thought okay I have a concert audience and uh that that was slightly older back then and very you know very serious very serious <laughs> <laughs> just in general <laughs> yeah I needed to be careful about jokes because they were like why are you is it, it's not a comedy show it's a concert okay um and then I there was this dancing scene that was wild and still wild so I thought yeah I want to bring that together and I was um interested in the historical context for for my own sake first first of all because I wanted to know what I'm doing <laughs> And I like the show element because um, my uh, half of my family are musicians, classical musicians, and my father works in a theater. And I was always really attracted to the show element. And uh, I mean, with limited money and limited time, you can't let pe people f people fly from from heaven or like pure show. I don't know what. It's not that crazy. But I took what resources we had, all the limitations, you know, everything, and then I still managed to find a great place uh, in Berlin, Wabe, that offers a stage, but also a great uh, dancing, well, how do you say it? Tanzfläche. Dance floors. Dance floor, thank yeah. you. Oh my God, I forgot this word. <laughs> dance floor. So they had a stage and a dance floor and they trusted me. Um, and then I cooperated with dancing schools 
and they brought in the dancing crowd and I brought in the concert crowd crowd. It was it was amazing. But um yeah, and we now my plan was to play it in Berlin, uh, but then play it uh, in different cities in Germany because I feel like we we know this concept already by now. It's it's nothing new anymore, I would say. Um but in, in other cities it is new mm-hmm. to bring those uh things together and To be honest, for Berlin, I'm already thinking about the next theme. It will be very show-oriented. I want to sing, I want to have dancers. But um, the topic could be something else. And I'm thinking about same format, but different uh, yeah, hmm. artists to focus on. or so. Um, but it is a lot of fun in the end. And I want to keep going. I think it's... Um, Good to invest uh, my energy into that. Yeah. Sounds very nice, yes. Mm-hmm. And um, as we have talked for some time, I already like to thank you <laughs> for, for coming uh, to my place and take your time to talk about Ella Fitzgerald and yourself. And um, it's very nice to get to know you via this podcast. I mean, they're diff- very different ways to get to know each other but um thank you very very much for for taking your time and coming here thank you thank uh, you really yes and um is there anything else you would like to announce i mean you said you will work on this um uh, on a on this on your show again maybe mm-hmm. find different uh uh things to emphasize on in your show but is there anything else you would like to announce or say or Highlight what's what, what what will you do within these next weeks, month, or the year? Is there anything you'd like to highlight mm. or invite people to to come and listen? Yeah, thanks for this opportunity. It's it's nice. Um, I I had I have two things in mind for my future swing programs. I'm always looking out for uh, either female composers. That would be my favorite thing or female musicians, because um, if you see my photos and my videos, it's not very balanced, um, I would say. And I'm, you know, it's uh, sometimes it has something to do with uh, the being visible. Like uh, I, I know a few top of mind female swing players and dancers and uh, singers, um, but they are mostly busy. And the others are still a bit in the shadow. There are so many. So I would be really happy if um, those female musicians and singers and dancers also would get in touch with me, also through social media, for example. Because um, you know how it is sometimes when I'm actively looking, I can't find anyone who has the time. Sometimes it's just a time problem. If someone is on tour, then, you know... And there is a there is a new network that I'm part of, and I'm really happy that it exists. It's um, female musician jazz musicians network. I will give you the li- link to um, and that's yes, also we will share that link. <laughs> <laughs> that's a database that I'm trying to look at from time to time. But I'm really always happy to get in touch because I always have ideas. Never enough time to do everything I want. And that's why I collaborate a lot, and I like the. I like it to, I would like, my ideal situation is if it would be even one day and if I would look at my list of musicians, I wouldn't have to think about gender because there's 50-50 and I could just pick a person who plays whatever style I would like to hear. Mm-hmm. But it's not there yet and I'm, you know, feel responsible f- to uh, do something And not just to say, well, I'm a female singer, that has to be enough for my band, but I'm also like, I'm not very, you know, it's not a, I'm not a fighter or like an activist, but it's it's always in my mind when I think about swing somehow, because we are not, not there yet. Um, so yeah, get in touch with me. Um, and um, right now I'm releasing an album that's not swing, it's more more contemporary so I will be doing that for the next while but it's not you know um, it will never keep me away from swing because there's a big part of my heart and I will always try and mm-hmm. keep this music alive 
So very soon I will be able to announce the new show, whatever it is. And then, yeah, we'll see yeah. <laughs> what happens this year. I'm excited myself. Cool. <laughs> yes. So I think we've come to a wonderful end here. So, and I also, yeah, I, I can also um, underline or uh, support your, your wish to see more female artists on stage, behind the stage and um, in the recording rooms or wherever. It's, uh, we, we have experienced this, that uh, we still work in a very male-dominated world and uh, music and work world and... Um, Yes, I can support your wish to find a more female artist and to connect and to get to know each other because it's it is not easy. Uh, also, I do know, and um, you have to have you have to keep your eyes open and look. And I think it's worth to do so, and not just uh, play with your easy to reach surrounding mm -hmm. uh, or people uh, that you already played with a lot or that are yeah in within your network but also to keep on extending your network and looking for for these female artists that are there and around yeah. so that I do support that idea very much and we try to do that in the syncopation society mm -hmm. also with our also with this podcast um uh this is also a goal of mine to get to know other female musicians so um this is also opportunity for me to get to know mm. you <laughs> Yeah, and that's um, great. So, yes. Um, and for every uh, new shows that will come up, um, I think I mentioned your website before, margolinamusic.com. I think you can find your soon uh, released album there if people are interested. And um, check it out. And mm -hmm. thank you. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. As with all productions, this podcast could only be realized because of a team. In this case, a wonderful group of female distributors and supporters. Thank you all for encouragement, help and advice. Special thanks go out to Anne Borchers for playing the bass, Andrea Ramirez Ruiz for the visuals, Zoe Langdell for mother tongue support and Francois Perdriou for mixing and mastering. This podcast is part of the Swinging Europe Network and co-funded by the European Union. Thank you for listening. If you have any kind of feedback you want to share, be it a suggestion for another female musician to be represented here, something you feel that is missing, you want to discuss, whatever it is, feel free to reach out to me via email to nina at syncopation.de And remember, every day is Women's Day. Yes, babes. Bye-bye and Tschüssikowski.